Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in LA to speak with Charles Mockler of Locked On Clippers. We go to Milwaukee via Geelong to speak with Kane Pittman of Locked On Bucks. And lastly, we go to Boston to speak with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast. And I am the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can uh, get excited because the NBA playoffs are here. We're going to be previewing some of the series in today's show. So let's get to it. Now I'm joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Clippers podcast. Charles Mockler is here with me. The Clippers finished in the two seed in the Western Conference. They take on the Dallas Mavericks. In the first round of the playoffs, before we get to that playoff uh, situation, though, Charles, what did? Uh, oh, actually, what, what's the update on Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly? We didn't see Harrell at all in the bubble in the re- in the seeding games. Beverly played, hurt his calf, uh, didn't finish out those games. So, uh, are they ready to go for game one? Um, as of the injury report, uh, Beverly, Trez, and Landry Shamit are all listed as questionable. So, we're going to know pretty much probably right at tip off uh, who we're going to get. I would lean more probably towards uh, Trez getting some time before Bev maybe even. Uh, Doc made some comments about Trez earning the right to just be thrown back in there. Uh, which seems like it was kind of a comment on Trez making the decision himself. So it's pretty unclear right now. But uh, yeah, questionable until we see him on the court. Because uh, yeah, Harold obviously wasn't dealing with an injury. He was away for uh, illness in his family. Uh, he's back now. So it's just going to be really a conditioning thing, I'm guessing, with him. So I don't think we'll see his usual you know, 24 straight second half minutes that he uh, that he <laughs> yeah. normally gets. Uh, and, but if, if it's a Zubats, Jermichael Green, even to a degree, Patrick Patterson, they held down that center position pretty well in the seeding games. Yeah, it's been fantastic to see Jermichael kind of become what we saw last year in the playoffs uh, when we went small against the Warriors. And just... The blossoming uh, of Avica Zubats in this bubble has been, you know, I think a lot of people kind of you know, underestimated how good Zoo was, even some Clippers fans. And seeing him now without Trez and getting these, you know, late game minutes and whatnot, Zoo can show that, you know, he's averaging a double double uh, within the Orlando bubble. So hopefully this can continue because he's looking like a key piece for this run right now. So, yeah, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, obviously the two big pieces of this team. Was there anything to take away from the seeding games? Oof. I mean, other than it seems like they're starting to ramp up um, that last seeding game. There was a great spell where Kawhi kind of, I think, ran the fastest that any Clippers fans had seen after a steal and finished it with a dunk. Um, but they're, I mean, they're, they're shooting absurd. Their consistency is there. Uh, Kawhi's shots are spaced out pretty evenly between, you know, at the rim, mid-range, and threes. So, they can find that other gear, which Kawhi seems to be able to do, and those guys can feed off it. It's going to be, I think, more of what uh, NBA fans have seen in the past from Kawhi in these playoffs. 
Okay, so let's get into this first round matchup now against the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers uh, have had the Mavericks number for most of this season. What's what's the big worry here for the Clippers, if there is any worry in this uh, matchup against Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and the rest of that Dallas team? Well, I mean, those first two names are really the biggest issue. You know, Luka's Luka. We're going to see him in the NBA playoffs uh, for the first time. And, I, you know, I don't think it's crazy to think that Luka himself could steal a game for the Mavs in this series. It's probably going to have to be early, uh, game one or game two or something like that. But, and you know, their whole offense, they had the, the highest rated offense in the league. Um, you know, unfortunately, I guess for them and their fans, their defense isn't really on the same uh pages that you know those stats so it's just going to be being able to hang with the offense and then making stops kind of when we need them which i'm not too worried about with our wing defenders but anytime you're going against an offense that's that high powered it's always kind of got to be a bit of a worry yeah, that's the thing. They were one of the best offenses in NBA history through the season. Porzingis is already getting superstar foul calls. Uh, sorry, Porzingis. Don, <laughs> Donches, sorry, is getting those superstar foul calls. Porzingis has been on fire, really, for the, the end before the season shut down and then the resumption of play with his shooting, and that's obviously a real threat out there. Um, you know, with the Clippers, Reggie Jackson, I think, disappointed during these seeding games. So you know, how <sighs> Patrick Beverly's injured. Landry Shamet's injured. Lou Williams was a bit underdone. So I guess the question is, you know, they're the point guard play of the Clippers here. Now, you don't expect... how Who's who's running the offense with so many guys either struggling or not there? Like, how is this, how is this being... Uh, how's the ball being distributed? How's these rotations being set up? And is that a concern you know, when you're on the other side, you've got uh, Don Cecchia masterfully just uh, organizing everything? Yeah, I mean, against this Mavs team, if we don't have Pat Bev kind of out there to begin with, there is some worry because, you know, our point of attack defenders at the point card position, I mean, you mentioned Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams, who no one will ever confuse for defensive stalwarts. Um, and then you have, you know, there's an idea that Rodney Magruder, I mean, Rodney Magruder's definitely better defensively than those two guys, but do you want to give him the responsibility of kind of running that first team offense? And if we do get the Reggie Jackson minutes, um, with the first team, I'm hoping and kind of assuming we'll see a lot more distribution coming from Kawhi and PG. Uh, Kawhi, you know, set a career high for assists this year. And I think maybe one of the wrinkles we could see if we don't have Bev for a certain amount of games is, you know, Kawhi setting a personal best for assists per game in the playoffs too. Yeah, because uh, look, Jackson had those opportunities to start in the in the seeding games, and Doc showed zero faith in him. Like there were games where he'd play fifteen <laughs> yeah. minutes, sixteen minutes, less minutes than he played when he was a reserve, which is absolutely troubling. Because if Beverly doesn't play, then you're going to have to either start Shamit, who's not a point guard, or Jackson, who's not an NBA starting caliber point guard at this point. And I guess that could lead to some to some problems. Now, in terms of defensive matchups, Doncic and Pozingas are the two guys to to worry about here um, for the Clippers, but. You know, what, what does Doc do? Like, who does he send to Doncic? Because I don't know how Paul, Paul George and Kawhi probably aren't going to be the options to match up there on Porzingis. So who goes who goes out to Doncic, and how do they contain that Porzingis threat? I think with the Porzingis threat, you know, if they're going to stick him at center, we stick with uh, Zubats on there. I think we live with them drawing Zubats out to the three point line and just hoping the other guys' rotations. You know, we're going to see some free safety play from Kawhi and PG. Um, and then on Doncic, I think it's going to be a whole team effort from one through four. Um, if, you know, if Chris Stapps is really hitting, we'll probably, we might see Morris on him uh, just, you know, to help zoo out, kind of just keep everything, you know, uh, solid in the middle. But on Doncic, it's, it's going to be, 
I mean, everybody, if Pat Bev can't go, and even if Pat Bev goes, there's going to be multiple looks thrown at him. Um, you know, when you have the defenders like Kawhi and Paul George, it just makes sense to put them on there, especially if Bev's out. Um, what's your prediction for this series for the Clippers? I'm assuming you think they get the win, but how easy is it? Is it going to be? How hard is it going to be? Is it going to be, uh, yeah, we're going to be seeing offensive games, defensive games? How do you see this thing uh, playing out? I see. I mean, I think it's going to, most people are choosing five games and I think I kind of, I got a second that I think it's going to be five games. I think the first three are going to be really competitive. Um, but I think the Clippers get the win. Um, like I said, I think the only ones that I think the Mavs could steal what could possibly be uh, game one or game two. But after that, with theoretically um, all of our players showing up and being able to play, that consistency will hit in. And, you know, I think the last couple of games might not be as fun, but it's going to be an entertaining five-game series. Well, let's see how it all pans out for the Clippers, of course. Those big question marks over Beverly, Harrell, and Shamit, three rotation players. We don't know if they're going to be ready for game one, how they're going to contend with Doncic and Porzingis. Big questions as well. And then Kawhi and PG, how much are they going to need to step up in this series? Of course, Charles, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Clippers. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Thank you very much. Continue to support the restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. You can support your favorite restaurants right on the DoorDash app. You've counted on restaurants, they're counting on you. So while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos and choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Kane Pittman is here with me. Kane, the Bucks, they get the Orlando Magic in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Giannis, amazingly, only a one-game suspension, so he's going to be right for the playoffs. What are the odds? They only got one game, a meaningless game that he probably wasn't going to play anyway, but he's back for the first round of the playoffs. Um, how can, are you concerned at all about Milwaukee's subpar bubble performances? Not really. Uh, mostly because if you if you go through the lineup data and see uh, the games where the best players were playing, where you were playing your optimum lineups, it was very very minimal. And some of that was planned. Some of that was not by design. When you talk about the suspension to Giannis, uh, he also had had some oral surgery, some tooth issues while uh, during the seeding games as well. And obviously, a guy like Bledsoe came back from a positive COVID test. So there was a few things that factored into why there was some unavailability of some of these players but by the same token the Bucks were in such a, a strange situation where when you're coming in your seeding can't really change uh how how hard do you play how do you balance working guys back into shape against uh winning uh, it, it was tough it was tough and they played like a team that let's just say was not 100 percent committed to the seeding games 
Oh, they were they were they were very 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 much less than 100% committed to those games. I think probably the most important thing in those games was getting Eric Bledsoe back into yeah. some sort of conditioning after his COVID diagnosis. How did he look by the end of those games? Yeah, not great. Uh, Bledsoe was a little bit of a concern. He still looked like he was a little bit rusty, and I don't know whether that was conditioning or whether that was the the four week period where he was kind of in quarantine, stuck at home, and not able to touch a basketball. I think the one thing that we've found by looking at the seeding games is guys are in better touch than what you thought they might have been. So for all the talk of how much basketball have they played, have they touched a, a basketball, have they got shots up, I think the level of play offensively told us that, yes, they have been. Uh, I wonder whether that four-week period affected Bledsoe, but he was still e- easing his way back into it. You would have liked to see a little bit more, uh, but we'll see, hopefully, uh, for Milwaukee's sake, they have a, a relatively comfortable series ahead. Is there anything that needs that they get worried about here against Orlando? How did they perform against them during the season? I'm assuming really well because they really didn't lose to anybody during most of the years. Are there any any causes for concern here? Yeah, the Magic are actually a really good matchup for the Bucks, and and it's unfortunate for Orlando in, in many respects. The Bucks swept the series 4-0. They won by an average margin of 22 points, and the Magic really play into everything the Bucks are trying to do defensively. So they rank 19th for three-point attempts. They're not a team that shoots a lot of threes. They're not going to hurt uh, the Bucks' uh, defense that sometimes can give away points to jump shooters. And then they rank 25th for points in the paint. So, you know, Orlando really are just an average offensive team. And uh, so I think coming up against the number one defense, that's going to hurt. The one guy they do have to be a little bit wary of, though, is Evan Fournier. Uh, he averaged 20 points per game against the Bucks this season. And he is the type of guy they can get really hot against this Milwaukee defense. He's 42% on catch and shoot threes in the season, 45% when he takes one dribble uh, only and gets up that three-point shot. So he's the type of guy that's hurt the Bucks in the past, could hurt them again. Terrence Ross is another one that obviously um, can get as hot as anyone. So they're the two guys they need to watch uh, if the Magic are going to you know, create any waves here. Yeah, well, they're, they're probably the only two that, that can really shoot on that team, or maybe DJ Augustin as well. But they're they're coming in banged up. The Magic, no Jonathan Isaac, of course, and uh, Aaron Gordon still a little bit hobbled by his hamstring injury. So it should be a relatively relatively comfortable first round series. Kane, can I put you on record uh, for a four gamer here? I think so. The one thing I will say is that uh, the Bucks and Day games do not pair well, and there is three of the first four games. Uh, noon starts or noon central time 1 p.m eastern time so uh, that's the only thing i mean you never know there's some funny things that happen uh and i guess the other the other part that we haven't really looked at we don't really know you know what the game three or four scenario we always talk about this there's always a chance of the uh the five game uh, the gentleman's sweep uh, i think i believe it's called where you can the, the home team can steal game three or four i don't know is there any impact with that i don't know i think i here. I think I'm stretching to uh, to give the Magic a reason to win a game. And if they shoot the lights out from three and the Bucks don't don't hit a shot, they're a chance. They took one game off the uh, NBA champion Raptors in their first round series last year, so yep. maybe maybe that's that's something to hang their hat on. But I agree, it is a pretty tough ask for Orlando going up against Milwaukee here. But let, let's let's look forward from there. Now we've seen these teams, um, you know, pushing through in the bubble. Milwaukee is assuming to get through to second, and they want they want conference finals, of course. So, uh, the play of any of these Eastern Conference teams created any concerns? Do you think Boston, maybe Toronto? Like, which one of those teams is probably the biggest threat here? Yeah, I'm not sure that I really took anything away from the bubble play. I mean, even a team like Miami, Jimmy Butler, obviously missed some time. 
uh, it's hard to really look at the results. I mean, you had to be seeing who was playing, what the rotations were. It was just really difficult. It felt like preseason basketball. But I still do think, you know, that second round series between Boston and Toronto, uh, assuming that the favorites get through, uh, is going to be one hell of a series. I mean, I think that's a seven-gamer. I, I think the Celtics clearly more talented offensively, but the Raptors have that defense. I think them two going up against each other is going to be huge. I, I think Miami have had some success against the Bucks in the past, but you know how that, that plays out in a playoff setting, how uh, some of their shooters go. Again, it's going to come down to three-point shooting for Miami. So uh, I think the second round is going to be really interesting for sure, but maybe that Celtics-Toronto series is the one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that is shaping up to be a, a really, really strong series. And then, of course, the winner of that most likely in the conference final. Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Kane, you'll have all of the Bucks action for us over on Locked On Bucks. So thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. It's a pleasure. Guys, Built Bar is back. They're back better than ever. These are the best tasting protein bars you can find. And now they've introduced six new flavors for a total of 18 flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I can't wait to get my hands on these new flavors. They sound absolutely delicious. And one of the best things about Built Bar, they are healthy. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber bars. Their peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories with five grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. What a fantastic way to get yourself in shape and taste the best tasting protein bars ever. And at the moment, while supplies last, they are offering a free cooler with purchase. Got to get in quick to get that one though. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 10 bucks off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Now let's talk to the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. John Corrales is here with me. John, the Celtics have a Philadelphia team in this first round NBA playoff series that is, of course, without Ben Simmons. They've got Joel Embiid back. But is there any is there any concern in Boston here for what Philadelphia could bring without one of their two All-Stars? Yeah, I think there is, and there should be. Um, it, it's kind of like a duality there with the Sixers obviously Simmons hurts them a ton uh, defensively because he's the main guy who covers Jason Tatum. But offensively, he actually, the, the departure of Simmons actually opens up things for Joel Embiid. And that's really, I think I would rather have Simmons rather than Embiid if we had to pick one because Embiid's such a bad matchup for the Celtics. And when you surround him with four shooters, whenever the Celtics send a second defender over to help and double Joel Embiid, He's gotten pretty good at passing out of the double team. There's a strong potential that one of these shooters, even a guy who might not be a knockdown shooter, but an average shooter, could see his his shooting percentage go up a lot because he's getting such wide open looks because of the gravity that Joel Embiid creates. So I think offensively, the Sixers become somewhat more potent in the half court with with Embiid there and, and the way they're going to play without Simmons. That is true, like opening up that space. But then you are relying upon Alec Burks, Furkan Korkmaz, and Sheik Milton becoming really good shooters. And they can be in certain roles. But we saw Milton as he was pushed into that point guard starting role. Let me tell you something, Josh. Yeah. We're all afraid of breakout Furkan Korkmaz game. <laughs> it's all anybody's talking about in Boston. That one game that Furkan Korkmaz is going to get them. Yeah, well, he'll probably have a game where he scores 20, and he'll probably score four in the in the game after that. So I reckon the Celtics, sure. that might be able to cover that. But on the other side of the ball, you talked about defensively. And then how does like, how does Philadelphia stop Haywood, Brown, Tatum, Walker? Like, who's who's guarding these guys? 
Yeah, that that's going to be the thing. I think it, they they probably should start Matisse Thybul and, and play like him some will. pretty decent minutes. What's that? It, it looks like they will start him over Horford. That's that's the whispers coming out at this point. Uh, yeah, and I, I heard Brett Brown talk about like they're considering something with Thybul. It, it, I think it would be the smart thing to do, but there, there's going to be a backlash whenever somebody like when, whenever a starter of any caliber sits. You can make up for him with somebody off the bench to some degree, but where that really hurts you is now you don't have somebody coming off the bench like Matisse Thibel. Yep. That's really where it hurts him. So you can throw Thibel in and have him guard Jason Tatum, and he'll be really good because Thibel's a really good defender. But then what's next? What happens when Thibel sits? And I, I really think that this series is going to hinge on what do the Celtics do when somebody like Thibel and obviously when someone like Joel Embiid sits can they win those minutes so convincingly and and kind of play the other minutes even where and and have those 10 minutes or so where neither of those guys are on the floor be a plus 15 and win comfortably i think that's where the celtics are going to win and where they're going to win kind of going away if they can so i i think philly can find a way to play the celtics even defensively early in quarters where the Celtics are really going to take off. I think is if Brad Stevens makes Gordon Hayward, the first sub out, you bring in Marcus smart and then Hayward comes in to kind of bookend the first and second quarter. How does Philly defend him? And he's been exceptional in the restart. I mean, he's, he's kind of like Utah Hayward. I think, I think this could be a big Gordon Hayward series because of what I just said, who follows Stiebel off the bench how do you stop Hayward? How do you stop that? Uh, I think that's the biggest Celtics advantage. What about in terms of guarding MB? Daniel Tice has been the starting center all season. We've seen Robert Williams sort of elevate himself to be the backup center. I worry about Williams, how he would have, how he guards Embiid there. So is that mean more minutes? Cantor's a guy that can do some work in the post. He's horrible in pick and roll, but we know Embiid is really, really strong in the post. So how is how is that matchup going to go? Do you think we get a little bit more Cantor to to maybe throw a bigger body onto Embiid in the post if he is starting to dominate down there? Yeah, so I think this is the chess match. So if you take Shake Milton out and you put Matisse Steibel in, uh, whether... Now, it depends on how they do it. If, it's, if he's in for Shake Milton and you start out Horford and you go double big, that, that presents one challenge. If you, if you put Thibel in for Horford, it presents another. If, if it's Shake Milton, then I question whether the Celtics are going to go with Cantor. But if they put Thibel in, who's, who's I, I want to say he's a non-shooter. He's, he's a good shooter at home. He's a non-shooter on the road. Uh, I would take that crapshoot. And if, if that's the case, then maybe you start Cantor. The Celtics did that on opening night. They started yeah. in as Cantor. Um, maybe they try that and, and see how that goes. And you can always pull the plug on that early. If two minutes into the game, it's not working, you just put Daniel Tyson in there and you see how that goes. Um, my personal strategy would be don't double and be, see if one of these guys, whoever it is, can kind of, hang a little bit, see if they can do it without fouling. And it doesn't matter if Embiid goes off the fit, off for 50 because the big key is making sure that those four shooters around him 
don't have one of those breakout nights like I was joking about with Furkan Korkmaz. If they, if those guys can have like their normal Philly nights, then the Celtics can hold Philly to 100. And the Celtics' offense has put up 120-plus. In their four-game winning streak, they had four games of 122 and one game of 149. So that offense can click. I think if they can hold the supporting cast in check, it doesn't matter what Embiid does. So I, I personally would like to see the Celtics just kind of try single coverage and see. And the other side is you defend him by making him defend on the other end. And you hope that he punches himself out and that he runs out of gas somewhere in the fourth quarter and the Celtics can pull away. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics maybe try going a little small and really try to attack, 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 drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, and have Embiid just try to cover as much space as possible and exhaust him while he's defending and then see if that impacts him on the offensive end. So, John, what's uh, what's your pick here? I'm guessing you think the Celtics are going to win, but you know, how many games are we give in Philadelphia? I'm going to say Celtics in six. I'm going to give them an Embiid game where he's just too unstoppable uh, and he wins the game for them. And I'm going to account for that Furkan Korkmaz game where one random sixer goes off and, and kills the Celtics. But I just think the Celtics are too versatile, too good on offense. I, and, and the loss of Simmons is just too great defensively. And it costs them transition points when he gets steals and live ball turnovers. So I think the Celtics in six, I think it's going to be a little tougher series than a lot of people think. All right, that is going to be really interesting to watch, uh, which we had had Simmons there to make it a uh, probably a more competitive series. But the, the points you bring up, uh, the Celtics shouldn't take it all for granted. John, you'll have it all for us over on Locked On Celtics throughout the coming weeks. Thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. You got it, man. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And if you could go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it is a great way of helping out the show. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.